What's up, girls, guys, gays, and theys? I'm Beth. And I'm TJ. Grab your bottle of wine and put your lawyer on speed dial. Welcome to Nightmare on Girls Night. Are you ready for it? Yeah, my nose is kind of plugged. It's Oh, perfect. Great. Love that for us. Okay. Welcome to episode four. Welcome to episode four. Sure. That was so annoying. Welcome back. Yeah. This is episode four. This this is episode four. How was your week? Good. We launched on Wednesday. Crazy. Well, when this comes out, we'll have launched a while ago. Like Three weeks ago. We're learning. Okay. <laughs> Bear with us. <laughs> it was fun, though, to see the response. It was. We, We've got good friends. We just get better as time goes on also. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. nice. My week has also been spent working on my pronunciation of town names. So I'm going to apologize <laughs> to all the East Coasters. For my first true crime case. I'm not even, I've, I've worked all week on how to re-pronounce those names. And as I'm sitting here under pressure right now, I don't remember how to do it. Oh, I don't want to do it. (laughs) Okay. I know it was Picto County, not Picto County. Okay. Picto. And then I, I know I said, I think I said Antigonish and I'm pretty sure it's Antigonish. But I don't know. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Pause. Okay. We're going to. We're going to pause. Right. Oh, okay, we're back. We're back. And we're pretty sure it's Antigonish. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going there. I'm just so sorry. Anyways, we're going to, we're going to do this and we appreciate the feedback of saying you did that wrong, but I worked on my pronunciation all week I'm and. I'm so proud of you. I'm pretty sure I'm going to nail my case this week. So we'll work did on you, that. Did you practice saying the, the names? I picked a case that had easy names. Oh. <laughs> I picked it but luckily my case does have easy names okay so that was my week so moving forward but please keep telling us because we like the feedback we don't ever want to offend no anyone we want to do these cases justice absolutely so. absolutely and it's also funny when we get a little laugh out of you, of you oh guys. it is as long as people are laughing and not offended then yeah this is nothing is intentionally done <laughs> no, so no, my no. lack of great pronunciation is just my own downfall it is not meant to be bad anyways <laughs> but you're week- working your, on that your week was good otherwise other than stressing <laughs> over that yeah great no it was good it was good, good. yeah good. well I know we're in February but I wanted to ask yes. you did you make any new year's resolutions we were like already a month into 2023 I know did I make resolutions no aside from actually holding us accountable to do this podcast yeah. I did not Okay. Mostly because I don't stick to them, and then I just feel worse about myself. And you know, that was going to be my next question. Yes. Do you think that they're, like, a, like it. they're worth like, it? Yeah. Do you think they're worth it? I feel like if it's for you, okay. I change my mind so often, so I will come up with a resolution, and then I won't stick to it, and then I'll come up with another. I come up with 17 resolutions a year, <laughs> and I don't stick to any of them. You're I'm like, still here eating pizza, not working out, drinking too much wine. It's March, and yeah. my resolution is yeah. to stop eating so much chocolate. And then tomorrow I'm going to eat chocolate. Like, yeah. I don't. Yeah. Why Why disappoint myself yeah. over and over and over? And so you know what? I don't make them either, because I just do the same thing. Perfect. Love us. I'm... It's because we're perfect. We don't need to change. Says the Gemini in the room. <laughs> the 
through and through. Yes. That's fine. Yes. Um, so yeah, we are on episode four, mm-hmm. which means it's your turn to come up with a How Am I Alive? It's my turn. It is. Do you have one? I do. Do you have one? It's or... not mine. <gasps> oh my god. It's a write-in. I love them. And they, we have listeners. I know. And they wrote Great. in to our email, nightmareongirlsnight at gmail.com, mm-hmm. and they put it in a beautiful document. I love a document. I know. I know. I you know. can also send it to us on Instagram through a DM at nightmareongirlsnight. Yes. Plug us. Do it again. <laughs> okay. Okay. So my How Am I Alive is... Um, from a friend, Mm. there's no mention of whether or not I can include their name, so I'm just going to not. Nameless, got it. They shall be nameless. So, um, I'm just going to go ahead. It starts with, I don't really know how to start this, so I'm just going to word vomit for a little bit, and I hope that you'll be able to pull out the important information. I apologize in advance for the grammar issues that will inevitably follow. Mm, Same, sis. I don't care. (laughs) I'm going to read it as is. So, basically what happened was I went to a mall, random weekday night. My friend went to the bathroom, and I waited outside of the bathroom near the bottom of an escalator. I wanted to remain in an open space, and I don't really know why, because I'd never done that before. Before I knew it, this random man appeared seemingly out of nowhere and starts complimenting me, but in an extremely specific way. I don't know why I said ew to just compliments, but for some reason it just automatically sounds creepy. I know, because men are creepy. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Saying things like, wow, I really like that black dress you're wearing. I like your jean jacket. That's pretty cool. Your white shoes are nice. Your hair is really blonde and pretty. Okay. <laughs> like, how specific are all of those yeah. things? Don't like that. He was describing me. He was not complimenting oh. me. I wasn't conversational. It was transactional. Or, sorry. It wasn't conversational. It was transactional. Uh, like, he was telling someone else what I looked like. No. At this point, I was extremely uncomfortable and just wanted my friend to come back. I got the feeling I was being watched. He then started asking me really personal questions like, do you have a boyfriend? I responded yes, because I did at the time. He asked if it was serious. He asked if we were engaged and I said yes and that I was the one who proposed. (laughs) That... I don't know why, but I did. I had the biggest pit in my stomach and I felt like I was about to throw up. Thankfully, by this time, my friend was coming out of the bathroom, so I said, have a good night, goodbye, and went to my friend. I let her know what happened, and we left immediately. I don't know where he went, but I still felt like I was being watched, and there was people looking at me from very... Yeah. In, looking at me very intently and was exceedingly uncomfortable. Ugh. We got to our car, and when we were leaving, we saw the same guy talking to a woman at her car no. in the parking lot, and it looked like he was doing the same thing. No, don't like that. She was around the same age I was and of similar height and build. Unfortunately, we couldn't stop, but I called mall security as soon as I got home. Good for her. I know. I told them my story and within seconds, the cop on the other end of the phone was describing exactly what I was wearing and what he was wearing. This was all on camera and they said they were going to keep an eye on this man in the future. I still didn't feel good or comfortable, so I straight up asked the cop is this what i think it could have been oh he said unfortunately that's exactly what you think it was and i'm glad you're safe that's horrible 
There was no relief. There was no comfort. Just a terrifying reality that this is the world we live in. I know a lot of people say they're not as lucky as I was. I don't know why or how I was safe that day, but my God, it was too close. Don't worry. I got him to check on the other girl and she oh, safely drove off as well. Jeez. Love you both and thank you for talking about this. XO. XO. Gossip girl. <laughs> um, that's horrible because you hear those stories all the time, but I've never heard it so close to home. I know. Like, that's horrible. So scary. And yeah. I want to... I want to talk to everyone about listening to your gut mm-hmm. because it's so important when you have that bad feeling, mm-hmm. listen to it. Do not ignore it. Yeah. Whether you're out with your girlfriends at the bar, yeah. no matter how drunk you are, you will know when something's not right. Yeah. And get out of there. Yeah. Like, just get out of there. Punch him in the face and run. Yeah. I would have been like, sir, my... Black hair, black eyes, tank top wearing, six foot one person is out of here. <laughs> oh my god, that's horrendous. I know. Actually, though, like, what's, is it Crime Junkie that says, like, be be weird, be rude, stay alive? That one? One, one, of, one them. of them does that. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. Because I feel like as women, and I'm not just saying only women, but as women, largely, we're used to just having to be polite and take the compliments mm-hmm. and it's like if you're acting fucking weird I'm gonna tell you you're being fucking weird exactly I see these TikToks all the time of women like barking at men in public <laughs> and I think more women should bark at men in physically public. bark or hiss I love that I'll also take a hiss because what person wouldn't yeah. immediately walk away when you hiss at them? Yeah, 100%. Let's bring back. Like, let's be let's weird. let's start that movement. Let's be weird. Yep. When we're not comfortable. Yep. Love Get it. the hell out of my face. Oh, I'm so happy she's okay, though. That's terrifying. I know. And then just to think that he's still out there. Because, I mean, you know shit like this exists. Mm-hmm. But you think big city, not close to home. Mm-hmm. Like... It's just, it's so sketchy to know that he's still there. And you hear that, though. Like, you see stories on TikTok or Facebook of moms with their daughters Mm -hmm. being in Target and being followed. And they're videoing these guys. And these guys are not deterred by the fact that they're being videoed. Oh, totally. It's like they're willing to take their chance because they're just going to up and move on to a different Mm -hmm. location. It's so, so scary. Yeah. Especially, like, I can't even imagine if you had kids. No. Like, oh, the fear that you have in you. Knowing that this is going on in the world and, like, still having to send your kids out there because you want to give them independence, but knowing just how scary this world can be. It's just, it's my hope that we teach our kids that, you know, Mm. listen to your gut, be weird. I tell Charlie that all the time. (laughs) And I tell the cats that all the time. Charlie's my dog. I teach him all... Okay, but that brings me to this story um, I just thought of, which it's not it's not similar to that but it like so I was walking Charlie one day and this guy on a bike comes towards me he's probably I don't know early 60s and he's coming towards us on this treed path like we lived in a different town but this was still a mountain town filled with treed paths that are pretty secluded and he was coming towards me and Charlie and I were walking towards him and Charlie just starts barking and like Charlie's a loud dog so sometimes he just wants to say hi but this man stopped at us got off his bike and started like walking towards me and petting Charlie and I'm like okay maybe he just like slowed down because 
I don't know, we, but it was on a two-lane path. Mm-hmm. And he started talking to me, and he started being like, how's your day? What a beautiful dog. And just making conversation, but Charlie was losing his shit. Mm. And this guy, you could tell, was, like, kind of deterred. And in my brain, I was like, I know, like, when people are being friendly, but maybe it's just my female instinct that's, like, everyone's out to murder me. I don't know. But this guy, I was like, something's weird. Like, you're well, being, why did you get off your bike? Yeah, and it was odd. Honestly, sometimes animals know. Oh, Charlie is large and in charge, and he was like, I will fuck up your day if you come near my mom. <laughs> he was on it. He was like, not today, sir. And yeah. I was like, they, I, that was very thankful to have a large dog at that time. But I don't know. Again, maybe it's the female in me being like, this guy's sketchy because I'm just used to having my guard up. But yeah. I was like... But I don't mm. think everybody has that outlook, right? True, like, and better safe than sorry. Uh-huh. Especially like... I know in other podcasts they talk about, like, even if you are skeptical, call the police. Mm -hmm. You don't need to call 911. Call your local detachment center and tell them what's going on. Report it. Like, what's the worst that's going to happen? Yeah. They come, they check on you and everything's fine. They find the guy and say, stop freaking people out, man. Yeah. 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 Give them a little shake because you can't be fucking weird. (laughs) I mean, we're all a little fucking weird. Just don't stress people out. Like, this is the thing is I also appreciate, because I walk Charlie super early in the morning, and there are times where I'm walking Charlie, and I see somebody else walking, and it's, again, it's so bad, but if they don't have a dog, I'm like, why are you walking at 5.30 a.m. and it's pitch black? Which they're probably just getting their exercise. But I appreciate when I'm walking, it's 5.30 a.m., it's dark, and they cross the street to use a different... Yeah. sidewalk and again maybe that's because charlie's really large and they're like book like i need to like <laughs> no, this dog's out of control no but just large but i appreciate when they do that because it's like just a comfort thing yeah it's like it's early it's dark she's you know a female i'm just mm-hmm. gonna give the space do you carry bear spray with you in the summer Okay, but not in the winter. But not in the winter. And what's even worse is I, I have AirPods in. Well, um, I have one AirPod in. I always leave the second one out. But I know they, like, I should carry bear spray and all of that. But honest to God, though, in this town we're in, I think the biggest threat to us is wildlife. I don't really think it's people. But... But you, like, bear yeah, spray is legal to carry. And you know what else I found out? In Canada, we can't carry pepper spray. But you yeah. can buy dog repellent oh. at the God, like at Canadian Tire. Yeah. And you can use that as mm. pepper spray. You can also use bear spray as yeah. pepper spray. I'm putting these all in quotations. Yeah. Because it's not legal. And it's not in every place. So don't yeah. get arrested due to our advice. But if our you, advice if you need to protect yourself. Enough. Yeah, no. This do not say that you Disclaimer. heard it on Nightmare on Girls Night. <laughs> I cannot go to jail. Unless it saved your life, then give us a shout out. <laughs> Please write in a story about how am yeah. I alive and we told you to use bear spray yeah. and you're alive. Not in jail. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I'm happy she's okay. Yeah, me too. Good. Me too. And please send in your how am I lives. Again, yes. nightmareongirlsnight at gmail.com. Or on Instagram at Nightmare on Girls Night. You got it. Find us there. All right. It's your turn. I'm, it is. I'm excited. I am going to give a massive disclaimer because this is a horrendous case. Like, it's really bad and it involves children and it's graphic and it's got 
I'm just going to give a warning right now if you can't listen to things, stories, or cases, because it's not a story, a case that involves children and um, rape and all of that. It is a really terrible case. So just this is your time to bow out. Okay. Um, So this case takes place in a town, in the town of Anchorage in the state of Alaska. And yes, it is pronounced Anchorage. Okay. She's popping out of Canada, everyone. (laughs) I know. But it's still so close. I'm taking the first step. Okay. So Anchorage at this time had a population of 220,170 people. It's the largest U.S. city in the state of Alaska. Uh, So Alaska is known for its trails, wildlife, and glaciers. It's a gorgeous area geographically and has a lot to offer, but it also has some extremely harsh weather and really long, endless winter nights, which can really take a toll on someone. So that kind of, it basically feels like Canada. I was going to say, that sounds exactly like where we live. (laughs) So this case is centered around the Newman family. Nancy Newman was born on February 27, 1955. She was 32 years old at the time of her murder. She was happily married to John Newman, and they had two absolutely adorable daughters, Melissa, aged 8, and Angie, aged 3. The family had moved from Twin Falls, Idaho, to Anchorage, Alaska. Nancy worked as a tax accountant as well as a waitress at a restaurant called Gwenny's Old Alaskan Restaurant. John had worked for an airline company, but had suffered an on-the-job accident, which left him physically unable to do his job anymore. So in March of 1987, John was actually in California training for a career as a locksmith and security technician, while Nancy, Melissa, and Angie all stayed in Anchorage. Okay. So at 6 p.m. on Friday, March 13th, 1987, Nancy joined her sister Cheryl and Cheryl's husband, Paul Chapman, for dinner at Gwenny's. Meanwhile, Cheryl's daughter took Nancy's children swimming. Nancy left her car at Gwenny's and rode with Chapman's to their house, where they sat and talked. Later, they drove Nancy's apart- to Nancy's apartment and sat around her kitchen table, smoking and drinking coffee and just generally having a good night together. Mm-hmm. Melissa and Angie returned home or were dropped off at home at 9 p.m. and went to bed, and then the Chapman's left shortly after that. That night, Nancy left her car at Gwenny's, the restaurant, and told her sister she would get a ride to the restaurant the following day to retrieve it. Her next shift at Gwenny's was not until 6 a.m. Sunday, March 14th. So that was a day and a bit later. Okay. At 8 a.m. on Sunday, March 14th, the Chapmans received a call. Nancy's boss at Gwenny's called saying Nancy didn't show up for work that morning. Nancy's car was still parked at the restaurant and no one had moved it since Friday night. Her boss was concerned because Nancy was never late for work, so Cheryl immediately knew something was wrong. She just had this gut feeling that something was not right, and she and her husband Paul hurried over to the Newman's apartment. There was no answer at the door, so the couple used the spare key they had to enter the apartment. Paul searched the apartment while Cheryl, who was a nervous wreck, sat at the kitchen table. So, okay, I'm giving the warning now. Paul opened the door to Melissa's room. She was the eight-year-old daughter. Inside, he found the little girl's body on the floor. In the second room, Paul found Nancy dead on the bed. The horror got worse when he opened the third door and found sweet three-year-old Angie Newman covered in blood. At closer look, he noticed her left carotid artery and her jugular vein were severed. In one of the most famous lines from the case, Paul yelled down to Cheryl, Don't go down the hall, they're all dead. Cheryl can be heard screaming in the background of the 9-11 tape when Paul called to report the crime. I don't know why I said 9-11. It's 9-11. <laughs> Same thing. Sorry. Gonna that was that. so good. It, oh my I god. I said it so seriously and immediately regretted it. Okay. Back to the story. Shut up. 
So you got to compose yourself, girl, because I cannot continue. Okay. At the time, Sergeant Mike Grimes was a detective and head of the homicide response team of the Anchorage Police Department. He would lead the investigation into the Newman murders. He assigned two groups of detectives to the case. The first group was responsible for gathering evidence from the crime scene, while the other group concentrated on leads and suspects. And it was one of the most extensive and intensive murder investigations in the history of the state of Alaska. Wow. Although the apartment did not appear greatly disturbed or ransacked, and there was no sign of forced entry, investigators noted this crime was unlike anything they had ever seen before. The crime scene was truly horrific. In the Newman's bedroom, they found Nancy laying on her bed with her nightgown pushed up around her chest. Abrasions and swelling on her forehead, nose, and chin, and evidence the suspect had struck her several times in the face. There was also a blue knotted pillowcase around her neck and a pair of olive green colored gloves laying on the top dresser. Investigators also noticed a small amount of blood at the foot of the bed. Melissa, who was eight years old at the time, was bound and lying on her bedroom floor. She also had a pillowcase knotted around her neck and her hands were bound behind her back with a separate pillowcase. Based on the position of her body and the blood on the floor... It was immediately evident that she had been sexually assaulted and strangled. Oh my god, like, that poor baby. up. It's so fucked up. It's so sad. Based on evidence, including DNA, investigators surmised that Melissa had been taken to Nancy's room where they were both sexually assaulted. Then the assailant took N- Melissa back to her bedroom where he- she was eventually killed. There was no evidence that Angie, who was three, had ever been taken to the master bedroom or out of her room at all. Police found three-year-old Angie laying on her bedroom floor with her throat so severely cut that it nearly decapitated her. Based on the deep gashes on one of her hands, it appeared she put up a fight. Oh, a three-year-old. It's so sad. A very clear presentation of blood spatter was on the bedroom furniture and the bedroom walls. Police noted a section of her body, skin from her chest to her pelvic region, had been wiped clean, suggesting that the suspect wiped away something on her body. Investigators found a washcloth in the bathroom that contained a notable amount of DNA, including blood and hair follicles. Like her DNA? It doesn't say, it just says a notable amount of DNA, and I'm going to guess, based on the findings in the investigation, that it was not her DNA. Okay. Um... So we'll get into the investigation now. The forensic team spent two weeks combing the apartment for blood, hair, and fluid samples, as well as for fingerprints and footprints on the carpet. It was noted that Nancy had borrowed a vacuum cleaner from her sister and brother-in-law on Friday, March 13th, and had cleaned her apartment, which actually was really good for the investigators because a freshly cleaned apartment was allowed detectives to vacuum again and basically gather All the recently shed hair and fibers. So it made it really easy to collect evidence Mm -hmm. and not be like, oh, it could have been this person that visited two weeks ago. Right. Uh, Detectives meticulously collected, labeled, and shipped all of the evidence to the lab. Way to go, police work. In the kitchen, detectives noted two cereal bowls in the sink, a coffee cup on the kitchen table, and a few cigarette butts in the ashtray. Cheryl Chapman, which was Nancy's sister told the police that the girls liked to get up early on Saturday morning, watch cartoons, and eat cereal while Nancy drank coffee and smoked. So this information is basically what led them to believe that the murders took place sometime in the morning hours of Saturday. Okay. And then they weren't discovered until Sunday. Okay. A large empty cookie jar also sat on the kitchen table, and John Newman, which was Nancy's wife, or husband, told police that Nancy kept her tip money in the jar, 
uh, and the coins were always packaged in rolls. And this will come into play later. Okay. Police also noted that Nancy's purse, jewelry, John's keys, checkbook, a wallet, and an expensive 35-millimeter camera were all missing. Mm -hmm. Despite these missing items, the apartment looked tidy, though. And... Like I had mentioned, it had not been ransacked, which made it seem like the perpetrator knew their way around the apartment mm-hmm. and exactly where to find things. They and didn't have to, like, rip the place apart. And you said it wasn't a forced entry. It was not a forced entry. Okay. So they definitely knew. Yes. So that's where it's suspected that she knew whoever did this. Okay. Based on the autopsy, it was clear that the murderer struck Nancy in the face several times with a blunt object and then strangled her to death. Police found blood and a small amount of fecal matter on her sheets, and they discovered blood on the underneath side of the bathroom light switch and a damp washcloth wadded up in the sink. Investigators recovered three pubic hairs on Melissa's bed and 13 more pubic hairs on or near her body. I hate saying that word. Pubic? Yes. It's gross. (laughs) One more time. They found one, well, pubic hair on Angie and collected two more from floor sweepings. They found an additional hair on the wash rag in the bathroom sink. So, like, DNA everywhere. Yeah, no kidding. Everywhere. It was evident to police that the killer had sexually assaulted all three victims, and Sergeant Grimes was confident that the killer not only knew the victims, but had likely enjoyed himself while committing these atrocities. It's disgusting. Yeah. After he murdered Nancy and her daughters, it appeared the killer intentionally and strategically placed their bodies as if displaying his fucking handiwork. Get if that's what fucked. you want to call it. That's what this... So I'm going to link it. I got a lot of this information from a book that was written and some articles that was written. Um, but I will put that in the show notes. So Grimes believed the killer was likely a sexual psychopath and he consulted the FBI's behavioral science unit. Mm. I think these the behavioral science units are so fascinating, especially Absolutely. when they can profile killers. And it's like to a T. It's crazy. So... FBI analysts told him the murders were likely committed by someone close to the family and someone who spent enough time at their apartment that his presence in the neighborhood early in the morning did not arouse the suspicions of neighbors. The analyst also stated the killer could likely keep himself under control when things were going well, but he fantasized about rape and murder and probably had assaulted other young girls. They noted that this type of individual could commit a brutal murder and that and then act completely normal an hour or two later. A psychopath. Yes. A psychopath, a psychopath, a psychopath. And this guy is. Ugh. So we're going to get into who this fucking twat is. Police immediately sus- suspected John Newman's nephew, 23-year-old Kirby Anthony. Anthony and his girlfriend... And I just want to pause here before I finish the sentence because I want you to remember he has a girlfriend as I'm saying this next part. Okay. Him and his girlfriend moved to Anchorage from Twin Falls, Idaho in 1985 after authorities in Idaho accused him of raping and brutally beating a 12-year-old girl at a campground near Twin Falls. You're joking. She was lured away from her campsite where she had been physically and sexually assaulted. She survived her attack but lost sight in one eye, suffered hearing loss in one ear, and sustained a severe traumatic brain injury due to blunt force trauma. She was unable to identify her attacker because of these injuries, and so prosecutors never officially filed charges against him. What in the actual flying fuckery? This man 
literally also has a girlfriend who knows he's been accused of this and, and the girlfriend's like <laughs> whatever it's disgusting people have their baggage oh my yeah. god and so they just didn't file charges against him but it literally gets worse so police also suspected that anthony had been connected to two separate deaths of two indigenous girls but they were not un- they were not able to gather enough evidence to prove these cases anthony Denied raping and beating the poor girl. However, a few years earlier, 1982, he did confess to robbing an elderly, wheelchair-bound woman in her house. Oh my god. He tied this woman up and sprayed her with mace in her face to stop her from screaming. Holy shit. This man is disgusting. Yeah. And yet he... Yeah. Okay. But it gets worse. He later withdrew this confession of doing this to the elderly, elderly woman... For robbing and assaulting the woman. And so prosecutors just dismiss the case. No. Again. No, no. They're like, we have all these, this stuff stacked against you, but oh, you say you didn't do it. Okay. Yeah. You mustn't have done it. No. <laughs> mustn't have done it. Uh, yeah. sorry. How old was he oh, at that time? gosh. Do you know? So 23 years old when he, when he's a, a suspect in this murder. Okay. Uh, in 1985 was when he... So not much earlier. He would okay. have been around 20, I think. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Is, is he white? Oh, yeah. He's white. Yeah. He's... Okay. Well, that gives it... Yeah. Gives it a little Need bit... Need we say more? No, we don't. We really don't. So his criminal record history was varied, but it included three separate arrests for burglary, three arrests for larceny, and one for disorderly conduct. Investigators also learned that he had beaten and stalked three past girlfriends. Okay, so his rap sheet is long. Long. And he was just walking about his merry ass way. Wow. He would never be prosecuted for any of those charges. They had all been dropped during their individual investigations, and he was never sent to jail for any of those crimes. Wow. What a failure. Yeah. So after these crimes, Anthony fled to Anchorage, where his uncle John and Aunt Nancy Newman lived. He and his girlfriend stayed with the Newmans for a month in 1986 before taking jobs on a fishing boat in Dutch Harbor. Why did they always go to Alaska? I don't know. I just watched a catfish episode where the guy flees to Alaska because he's in, like, he was in trouble with the law. Uh, probably because it's super rural yeah. and you can disappear easily. Yeah, Although, you would hope these... Assholes just get eaten by a fucking grizzly or trampled by a moose or something. Uh, yeah, and if they're working in like the fishing industry, maybe they just fall off the boat. Maybe they casually fall off a boat. Yeah. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Not to put ideas in anyone's hands. <laughs> so, um, on board the Arctic Enterprise, Anthony's girlfriend finally broke up with him oh, when she grew tired of God. his abusive behavior. You know, the fact that he was accused of murdering people didn't do it, but his abusive behavior towards her sure did. Mm. And a short while later, Anthony was also fired. Shocking. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Poor, poor, poor Anthony. Poor Anthony. Two months after leaving Anchorage to work on the Arctic Enterprise, Anthony returned to Anchorage. This time, Anthony asked Nancy if he could stay at her apartment for a while, and she reluctantly agreed. Mm. Like, what a nice woman. What a nice woman. Remember, this is also when her husband, John, was already in California, training as a locksmith, so he was literally staying with Nancy and the girls. 
Great. Nancy did note that Anthony's volatile temper and drug use concerned her, and she didn't like having him around the girls, and John was also not happy and not impressed when he heard Anthony was living in their apartment. Mm. He told Nancy immediately to kick him out. Nancy asked Anthony to leave, and although he was furious, he did comply. He left? Yeah. Okay. Well, he, he left. came back. Mm. According to Anthony, on March 13th, which was the night before the murder, he spent the night drinking alcohol and using cocaine at some sort of poker party across the street from where he lived. He stayed up all night and returned to his apartment the following morning when his roommate was already getting ready for work. So they, like, crossed paths briefly. Right. The roommate said Anthony left again around 8.45 a.m., and Anthony said he then went to the home of his friend Kirk Mullins and arrived there around 9 Mullins, though, said Anthony didn't actually come to his place until 10 or 11 a.m., between 10 and 11 a.m. Mullins did say, however, that when Anthony arrived, he acted normal as if nothing was wrong. Okay, but that's... Literally sociopathic and psychopathic. Dangerous. Five days after the murders, Anthony was reported to have stopped at a local tavern in Chilkoot... Oh, a local tavern called Chilkoot Charlie's. God, I hope I pronounced (laughs) that right. See, now I'm just stressed. While there, he wrote abstract poetry on napkins and handed them out to patrons. Okay. Yeah. He also reportedly told a lighting technician that he was a suspect in the murders and was quoted as saying, the worst thing was that the mom had to watch the murder of her daughters. Uh, was that reported? Yeah. Okay. But, like, how long after? <sighs> On April 13th, Anthony... Also, though, I'm sorry, like, to say that... It's disgusting. I don't... I don't get how people like that exist. There's no Push him off the boat, man. Push him off the boat. Push him off the boat. On April 13th, Anthony called investigators to check on the status of the investigation, a trait that the FBI profiler, Mr. Ray, had mentioned would likely happen. Hmm. So needless to say, with Anthony's violent and sexual criminal history, the police immediately considered him a suspect. Detectives went and asked Anthony for the clothes he had been wearing Friday night and Saturday morning, and then they searched his apartment. There, they found John Newman's camera that was Uh, missing. Anthony claimed Nancy let him borrow the camera. The clothes they collected were reasonably clean, but analysts found a drop of blood on his shoe and discovered a spot of feces on his shirt. Mm. The investigators determined the blood was human, but the sample yielded no other information. Um, Just remember, this was back before the era of DNA analysis, so this is in the 80s. While the crime lab continued to run tests on the evidence, the Anchorage Police Task Force played mind games with Anthony, and I fucking love this so much. So police would sporadically tail him, make sure he definitely saw that he was being followed, trying to cause a little paranoia. Mm -hmm. Two of the detectives would continuously play good cop, bad cop with him. By April 15th, Anthony was so panicked that he climbed in his truck and fled for the Canadian border. Like, sir, we don't want you. Uh, We don't. We don't want you. We really don't. Asking his roommate to not tell police where he'd gone. Mm. Red flag. Yeah. His roommate immediately called the Anchorage police. (laughs) Woohoo! And authorities stopped Anthony at the Canadian border. It is so hard to come by a smart bystander, so way to go to the roommate. Yeah. Police brought Anthony back to Anchorage and arrested him for the murders of Nancy, Melissa, and Angie Newman. Yes. While Anthony was awaiting trial, he was attacked by another roommate. (laughs) Shout out to Kevin Collins. Yes. Right? Get it. Was he injured? So, Collins was a cocaine dealer who was in jail for the murder of four people. He was quoted as saying... 
if I ever get another chance, he won't need no trial. There's Ooh. never no need to kill a woman and two little girls. I have a young daughter myself. Oh. Right? <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. I love, 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 love justice like that. Uh-huh. Like, let send them to prison and just mm-hmm. let, yep, yep, let things, let the pieces fall how they do. Yep. Now, although they had Anthony in custody and they were 100% sure he was a killer, they had no witnesses, unfortunately, and no direct pieces of evidence to tie Anthony to the crimes. Hmm. Detectives never found a murder weapon. So from here, the forensic evidence and its analysis would be key to Anthony's conviction. Anthony had lived with the Newmans for a time, though, so it was reasonable that police would find his fingerprints in the apartment. Right. However, there was not a good reason why his prints were all over the empty cookie jar where Nancy stashed her tips. Mm. After the murders, witnesses also saw Anthony use rolls of coins to pay for things. Criminals are actually so fucking dumb. Like, take them <laughs> out of the rolls. Yeah, no Honestly. Kidding. Anyways. Unfortunately, the pubic hairs removed from the victim's bodies and the damp washcloth left in the bathroom sink could not be matched definitively to Anthony. Mm. This next part is really fucking nasty, so just bear with me. More more damning were the lice egg casings clinging to some of the pubic hairs collected from the bodies as well as to the pubic hair collected from the rag in the sink. Like your face, I'm sorry. Stop it. Yeah. He he had lice on his dink? Lice egg casings. Yeah. Hatched. <laughs> Made a little nest and hatched. That's so disgusting. Yeah. Oh I gagged God. a few oh times God, when God. I read this. At the time of the murders, Anthony had pubic lice. <laughs> yeah. Just no other way to say it. I hope he still has pubic lice. So do I. The washcloth also had green wool fibers on it matching the gloves. Gloves found near Nancy Newman's body. And the gloves were full of hair pulled from Nancy Newman's head. It was evident that the perpetrator attacked Nancy while wearing the green gloves, then removed the gloves and went into the bathroom to clean himself with the washcloth, leaving behind the wool fibers and pubic hair covered with lice egg casings. Detectives also believed Anthony got the feces that was on his shirt from the spot that was on Nancy Newman's bed. Mm. Prosecutors struggled with the task of explaining to the jury how anyone could brutally murder three people and then act perfectly normal an hour later. Because if you remember, Anthony went to his friend Kirk Mullen's place between 10 to 11 a.m., which would have been directly following the murders. FBI agent John Douglas with the Behavioral Science Unit explained that the FBI categorizes acts such as those perpetrated against the Newman family as sex power killings. Mm. These premeditated acts are committed by a sane individual with a character disorder. Mm -hmm. While the perpetrator knows the difference between right and wrong, he doesn't care. He lacks a conscience. He feels no remorse and there's no reason for him to act guilty after committing a brutal act that he doesn't think is wrong. Wow. That's how he can just be completely normal. Yeah. Now, unlike the case you, you covered... This one was pretty cut and dry. Yeah. So on June 3rd, 1988, after an eight-week trial, Kirby Anthony was found guilty of the murders of Nancy, Melissa, and Angie. The rapes of both Nancy and Melissa and one kidnapping charge of Melissa due to her arms, hands, and hands being bound. (laughs) Ready? He was sentenced to prison for 357 years. Not the death penalty because Alaska doesn't have that. But his earliest release date was listed as April 21st, 2225. Yes! Kirby Anthony's sentence was so long that he was not even eligible for parole for 120 years. Oh, amazing. Yeah. When pronouncing his ruling, the judge stated Kirby Anthony was the most dangerous offender, offender to ever enter his courtroom. Wow. 
The Newman murders understandably outraged the city of Anchorage, and Anthony received numerous death threats. Like, yeah. yeah. The crime even sparked a movement to reinstate the death penalty in Alaska, but unfortunately the movement never gained traction. Mm. Nancy, Melissa, and Angie are all buried together in the same oversized coffin in Twin Falls, Idaho. So rest in peace to the baby girls and their mom. Rest in peace. Do you think, like, what do you think of the death penalty? Oh. I don't know. I know. I really don't know. Uh, one side of me says, let them rot in prison. Right? Let them rot in prison. And get the shit kicked out of them. Yeah. By these guys in there. Uh-huh. Over and over and over. Like, yeah. keep him alive to make him suffer. Yeah. Till his very last breath. But there are those few individuals that will go to prison and say that they've reinvented themselves. They had anger management. Yeah. And they, and they have found themselves through God yes. or whatever it may be. Yeah. And maybe end up getting out. For sure. And that terrifies me. Yeah. And so for that reason alone... Yeah. Then sure, maybe I'm for the death penalty. Well, I mean, you look at all... Even in the couple cases we've covered, the people that were charged with murder and then released. Uh Like, it's messed up. I I agree. I'm, I'm... I don't... I don't have a definitive opinion on it. I feel like in one hand, I'm like... Yep, let them rot in jail. On the other hand, I'm like, you're so... There's no mm-hmm. rehabilitating. You don't deserve another breath. Mm-hmm. But also, I think until you have a someone you love who's murdered or or anything like that, and then you deal with the suspects, it's hard to, oh, yeah. to judge. And, yeah, I mean, we're all human beings, right? At the end of the day, yeah. we're all human beings. And the thought for us of taking somebody else's life... Yeah. Is not fathomable. Yeah, for us normal-ass people. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say we're normal. No, we're not. But we're not murderers. We're not so murderers. So that's a check on our list. No. Um, what about the father? Is the father still alive? Yep, the father is still alive. And I believe I read that he moved back to Twin Falls, Idaho. Okay. I would have to confirm that. Um, but that's the latest I heard. They But still yeah. alive. And yeah. That poor I can't father. imagine. Well, and he was out of town for work. Yeah. Like, the, I couldn't imagine. The guilt. Yeah. I, and it's his felt. nephew. Yeah. Oh, it's just horrible. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, that was a doozy. And so... Definitely a doozy. Yeah. Freaking Alaska. Yeah. God. First yeah. case going into the States. I know. Yeah. Well, it's kind of really just a part of Canada it really and is. my eyes like it's cold and they're scary scary wild animals yeah but yeah almost yeah just as scary as here it is wait do they have polar bears I don't know now we're gonna look real stupid though oh Jay <laughs> do they have polar bears in Alaska that's <laughs> okay I'm I, I'll, oh my I'll God. sound stupid yeah, okay, I'm right. not scared I'm gonna pretend like I knew Jay's gonna make fun of me and that's okay yeah well that's our case and our episode for this week. Next week, you'll bring uh, How My I'll Life. I'll bring How My Life, and you'll take over the yeah, case. I've got one in the pocket. Perfect. Yeah. Well, we'll see you next week. So remember, all good stories start with a girl's night. But not everyone makes it to brunch. <laughs>